Welcome to Fintech Insider Interviews. My name is Simon Taylor, and today I have the pleasure of welcoming Ali, the CEO of Bunk. Enjoy the interview. Ali, thanks for being with us on Fintech Insider. How are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be in Amsterdam and see your offices today. You guys have the most colorful logo I think I've ever seen in a really cool place. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. So um, I want to know about you. How did you come to be in finance? Is this something that you, you kind of left university and always wanted to be in finance? Or is it, uh, how, what was your journey like? So uh, I don't believe I'm in finance today. I think I'm in tech. Uh, that's an important thing. I actually did leave my university for uh, founding my own company, which was my previous company. It's called TransIP, and it's turned out to be the biggest web hosting and domain name uh, business in the Netherlands. And as that was going really well and it was super successful, um, I figured, okay, so what challenge do I want to pick up next? And I kind of chose, you know, the financial industry because the financial sector, because it felt really outdated to me. If you look at it from a tech point of view, you're like, why are the things the, the way they are? And a couple of years ago, when we first uh, started, you know, the financial crisis was really present and people were losing their jobs and things were not going very well. And we started from the conviction that a couple of tech guys could do a lot better. And that's how it all got started. Crazy things happen when a couple of tech guys feel Get like they can do yeah. things better. It's yeah. uh, like every great story starts. So what is Bunk? Bunk is a totally new perspective on how banking could be. We've started with payment services first. Uh, we're totally independent, uh, which allows us to be really different. Our users have a totally different experience. It starts with the onboarding, you know, getting a, to be a Bunk user. It only takes you a couple of minutes. I think the record is set at, uh, I don't know, three minutes, 48 seconds or something. and. We continue to provide you a totally different experience whereby you only need your mobile phone. Maybe that's a too elaborate answer, but I guess it boils down to give it a try because it's difficult to, to capture it in words. And you'll notice right from the bat that it's totally different. I think there's uh, something about really great technology where you don't know you needed it until you've tried it. Yeah. The classic is the iPhone. Nobody wanted an iPhone, but when they got one, they couldn't live without it. And, and I find that uh, with a lot of great fintech apps is I didn't know I needed them until I start using them. And then how did I ever live, live without, without them? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's the great thing about great well, It's super first. charming to be compared to the iPhone. I don't think we're there yet, but uh, that's a good you know, goal to try to achieve. I think it's the right, yeah, it's the, it's the right goal to have in mind. So um, where does the name come from? B-U-N-Q, Bunk, what, what does that mean? Um, bunk doesn't mean anything, actually. There is a book that's written about us. It's uh, loosely translated as uh, Breakthrough Banking. It's only in Dutch uh, currently, unfortunately. And there's a whole paragraph dedicated to the coming uh, about of the, of the name. Uh, it used to be different, so as... We started, we had the secretive name of Project Clear so that nobody knew what we were working on. And it had some iterations until I woke up in the middle of the night, literally, and I came to the insight or I gained the insight that um, because we're living into a mobile driven world, the way a name looks, it's much more important than the way a name sounds. Hmm. And then I thought, hey, we're building a bank for the people, for people to be able to interact between themselves peer to peer. 
uh, how cool would it be to have a name that's the same when you flip it upside down so that when you and me are transacting and we're mm. sitting opposite to each other, we still see the same thing. Ah. And I woke up, I think it was like 3 a.m., I don't remember the, the precise time, uh, with bunk in my mind based on this reasoning. And I grabbed my phone and I tried to trans-IP app, you know, whether it was available and it was. Free domain name and it has a fun concept behind it. Yeah. And you can get some colors around it. That's a really nice story. So then what does it what does bunk sort of mean and stand for? You talk about that mirroring it's the same for you, it's the same for me, it's as really central to the name. Mm-hmm. What are the central kind of driving ideas behind bunk that that somebody should get? You talk about um bunk being the bank of the free. Yeah. What, what does that mean? Well, it means that uh, independence, control, uh freedom being different, it's all kind of intertwined. Don't forget that Bunk started with a completely fresh start, right? We figured, hey, you know, if you could do it all different today, if you could do it whatever way you wanted, you know, it's a question that some people, rightly so, by the way, sometimes ask themselves about their life. What if I could do it all different? What would it look like? Bunk is the answer to that. We're totally in control of our systems. We have our own banking permit, which was a huge, you know, thing, huge achievement. It's the first in 36 years, 35 years in, in, in the Netherlands. It, it was considered back then and still considered today as a, you know, like a small miracle. We have our direct connections with MasterCard. We control the entire technology stack from the database, the, the data is stored in until the app, you know, that you see as an end user. So basically this gives us total freedom to build whatever it is our users want. That's really interesting to me. I, we, in the last uh, news show that we did on Fintech Insider, we talked about a UK bank that has now outsourced nearly all of their uh, information technology to IBM. Just mm-hmm. They don't want to deal with it. It's a cost center. And what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing from you is the exact opposite. Yeah. We want so much control in our own hands, no vendors, nothing. We want to control it all yeah. because that's the only way we can guarantee quality because with a small, high-quality team, we think we can do far better than large teams with lots of different bits of technology. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's also a different strategy because for many banks, they're basically a one-stop shop. They have a lot of different uh, products. They have a lot of different types of customers, they have a lot of different markets they operate in, and they have a lot, a lot, a huge amount of legacy. So from their perspective, I can actually understand they want to, you know, uh, just reduce cost, because that's basically what banks have been doing for the past, I don't know, two decades or so. But for us, it's not about banking, it's not about money, it's not about earning money with money, which is to basically attract as much money as possible and do some weird stuff with it to to make more profits. For us, the one thing that counts is for you to be happy. We want to ensure a great experience for you as an end user. And we believe that you cannot achieve that if you do not control the entire stack. It's very interesting. So who is your target customer then? Who is the the you in that sentence? I think it's largely two groups. One group is the, the idealistic kind of uh, user who is just, you know, who's fed up with the way things are going or 
who really likes our paradigm of not earning money with uh, money uh, or certain religions are, are uh, compelled to that. So that's uh, one group. And the other group, and this is the bigger group, is the group that really likes innovation, really likes this freedom, really likes to be a part of something new, of something different, who sees the added value of all the small and big differences we have compared to traditional banking. Uh, with all the pros and cons that the uh, traditional banks have. And they just want to be part of the journey. They use uh, bank on a day-to-day basis. They use it the way it's intended, as opposed to just using it as a replacement of their bank. They use it the way it's intended. So, you know, where kind of social interaction and and money converge. Mm -hmm. And they actively participate as well in the further development of bank. That's very interesting to know that you're a part of changing something. I think we've all done that thing where we've got frustrated at our bank and sent a letter or or written a complaint on the website or, or even just kind of told a friend. But actually to really feel like you're making a difference, I guess, can can be kind of huge. The, the thing that you mentioned there that was really interesting about your business model was that you're not really interested in making money with money. So how do you see growth in bank coming? What, what's, what's kind of the core way in which you guys are going to grow? Well, I believe our business model, uh, the difference in our business model and our growth predictions or our growth uh, curve aren't intertwined. I think the essence of the difference in our business model is that, uh, you know, the traditional banking business model doesn't differentiate much from a second-hand car salesman. You know, they try to buy money in as cheap as possible. Um, They brush it up and do all kinds of other things with it that you might not want to know. That's why, by definition, many banks aren't that transparent. And then they lend it out at the highest possible price. This was an efficient way of doing things up until a couple of decades ago, I believe, because the preference of end users just changed. We don't want that anymore. We want transparency. We want a great experience. We want our money to be ours. We want to do with it as we please. And I think with that change in preference should also come a different business model, a business model that's service-oriented so that as you are happy with the product, with the apps we produce, you actually use it. And that in turn causes us to generate revenue. So our interests are aligned with your happiness instead of our interests being aligned with attracting the largest possible sum of money. Interesting. Very interesting. And there are some businesses that have done really well with that service model of subscription fees, for, for instance, or one-off transactions for the service. So I think about, um, I think about the difference between a Netflix and an Uber and these sorts of businesses that are uh, really well-liked by their users, especially the likes of a Netflix and, and its competitors. But those businesses really rely on scale. Um, you mentioned, I think, previously that you're live in about three markets currently. Is that right? Yeah, mainly in the Netherlands. And we opened up about three months ago in Germany and Austria as well. Yeah. And is the goal to do some geographic expansion? Or of you... course. Yeah. We're very ambitious. Good, good. It's a Dutch global mindset. Uh, that's what we like. Small company, big ambitions. The, yeah. We like that a lot. So any plans for the UK? We had plans uh, for the UK until you guys kind of chose a different uh, path. And now we are still very interested in the UK because we think that the product is something British people would really enjoy. 
Um, truth be told, I think uh, British citizens uh, embrace innovation a bit more than the Dutch. Um, but there are just too many ambiguities now with the Brexit. I mean, uh, I hate to say it, but it really did make a difference for us. Now, it's, it's something we hear time and time again, is that that one vote has really made a difference to uh, companies that were thinking of doing something with the UK. And now... I was actually there when the vote happened, yeah. which is really weird. I had an appointment there and, you know, it was, I finished late at night and I was in a cabbie back to my hotel. Um, and the guy said, yeah... Because at night, people still thought it would be a uh, uh, remain. Mm-hmm. And the guy said, yeah, people just wanted to make a point. Nobody really wants to leave. So, you know, that was it. And I woke up six hours later with, hey, we, we're exiting the EU. It was a total that, That's a story situation. a lot of people yeah. went through. I, I was even on a, on a podcast the day before saying, oh, it'll be fine. Don't worry. Nobody's going to leave. Uh, and then lo and behold, it happened. So... Speaking of kind of uh, international expansion, there's there's the opposite of that, which is kind of bring talent into your organization rather mm-hmm. than expanding out, which is well, how do you approach talent? Do you hire people from banking backgrounds? Are you looking for people explicitly not from banking backgrounds? Are you remixing those? What is your approach for talent? Um, we really, really like tech guys mm-hmm. uh, with a tech background, with an IT background, with an IT mindset. The interesting thing is, uh, as you go up in the age ladder, you uh, sometimes stumble upon people that have that IT or coder mindset, um, but haven't actually done a a tech education. We really like those Mm -hmm. because these guys have developed themselves in different fields, you know, be it marketing, be it finance, be it design, but they are still at their core and in their hearts very tech oriented so they fit really well in our organization everybody can speak to each other we're like one organism it's the first time i've heard culture described as one organism i I really like that idea that's a good metaphor and there is i think a key point there that, that you make about really understanding some of the key principles of of either software engineering or technology generally can be very critical to all the other roles inside an organization, marketing, legal, compliance, whatever else it may be. Uh, Our co-founder at 11FS, Jason, talks about the idea of BizOps as well as uh, DevOps. Wow, I like that. that. First time I hear about it. Yeah, Jason comes up with things all the time. It's really annoying. Um, BizOps is the idea that a business person, if not technical, certainly is sitting with somebody technical or an engineer or a developer, knows who their engineers and developers are for the bit of their business. And if they're experiencing any problems on behalf of a customer, they work with that engineer to resolve that problem for the customer if needs be and make sure that that problem doesn't happen again. And that is a cultural thing so that your engineering kind of around the problem is, is a really interesting approach and something we see coming from the fintech space that I don't think larger organizations have really got the capacity to truly embrace when their technology is offshored or in some cases even completely outsourced. Mm. It's an interesting cultural shift. But then the large banks would say to me, executives would say, well, aren't you just going to be a niche player forever? Are you actually going to get any scale? I mean, how are you guys doing and and how do you see that? Do you see yourself as a long-term niche player or do you see yourself getting scale? Uh, well, obviously, talking about ambitions, we see ourselves getting scale and a lot of scale. But in the end, I think it boils down to the end user, which is you, Simon, and uh, all your friends and your family and all the other people, you know. If 
people truly believe uh, that something should change, something uh, that there is something better out there and they should be a part of it. And if we deliver on that promise and you give it a try and you actually enjoy it, then we'll, we'll make it. And otherwise, uh, we'll remain a niche player. But I don't think that'll happen. Uh, that's great to hear. Um, I hope not. Uh, yeah, well, and, and I think there's, there's been a lot of talk about the internet businesses reaching scale, but the fintechs haven't massively. Maybe there are some exceptions like uh, TransferWise that have got mm -hmm. a lot of users. Revolut have, have publicly come out and said they've got 500,000. It'd be interesting to see if we can get any that get beyond bank numbers. So yeah. bank numbers have traditionally been between a couple of million and 10, 15 million, maybe 20, 30 in the US. A true internet scale business would need potentially a lot more customers than that, especially if they've got a different yeah. revenue model. Um, so uh, it's going to be an interesting one to watch. The Financial Times guides you through complex issues. In divisive times, don't settle for black and white. When you need the full perspective, turn to FT.com. Become a subscriber today. Search for FT subscription. Critical Mass. That's what turns the smallest ventures into life-changing forces. Reach critical mass by joining Temenos Open Marketplace for fintechs, opening up access to 2,000 of the world's largest financial institutions. Don't just take our word for it. Temenos Marketplace has just won Reader's Choice Best Emerging Innovative Technology Product and Service at the 2016 Banking Technology Awards. Join Temenos now. We make the money go round. Let's be honest, most digital banking experiences just aren't that amazing. Learn how more than 180 banks worldwide, including Barclays, Deutsche Bank, and BBVA, innovate faster with Strands as their trusted fintech partner. To find out more, visit strands.com today. So um, you've got some interesting features in Bunk. You've got things like uh, hand recognition, um, attaching images to transactions, connecting other accounts. What made you think of things like hand recognition? What, what, how, what principles do you use to guide which features you put into the app? We have uh, two main principles. The first one being we go back to the source and we start fresh. So it's not the hand recognition per se uh, that we were looking for, but we were looking for solutions for you to be able to use your mobile phone as your day-to-day -day, uh, payment bank. Uh, without having the need for extra devices. Um, because in the Netherlands, we have a lot of these security dongles that you have to use when you use internet uh, banking. Yeah. Um, well, I think they really suck. And so for us, it was really uh, important to come up with a solution without the need for additional hardware. At the same time, it was super important for us to keep you as safe as possible. So that meant automatically that uh, we turned into to, towards uh, all kinds of security stuff that I won't bore you with, but also to biometric authorization or authentication, depending on which side of the security debate you are on. But anyway, add a biometric security uh, to it. We actually started with face recognition, in which we were the first bank in the world as well. And we gave it a try, and we actually received feedback from users who said, when the lighting conditions are poor, it doesn't work properly because you don't have a flash camera. And this is the second input 
we kind of use in developing our products and improving our products, which is user feedback, because our users are very engaged. Uh, they are a very good source in leading us to the next step. And so we sat down and thought, okay, so we need to use the other camera. Um, well, let's use hand recognition. And we were the first to do that as well. Interesting. So there's something there that I don't see big companies doing that I do see small companies doing, which is we're going to put a feature in and actually we're willing to take that feature back out if nobody likes it. Yep. Whereas uh, large organizations I've seen have feature creep. The feature goes in there and then just gets left and never picked up again. And actually, who does that serve? It doesn't really help anybody. And now you've got two, three, four ways of doing the same thing and it just confuses everybody. And there's also that thing of large organizations where to get anything done, you start nine months, 12 months earlier thinking about how the customer might using it and putting together spreadsheets of how the customer's going to use it and wireframes and so on. And by the time a customer's got their hands on it, they, you don't know if they like it or not. And then it's committed, then it has to go live and changing it takes another nine months. So it's yeah. it's interesting how quickly... And your budget has been spent, so you know there's no room anymore and it has to succeed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Indeed, that fixed mindset is, is something that's quite different. Um, so one of our favorite features is this uh, idea of sub-accounts. Yeah, yeah, I love it too, yeah. So this is something that is so hard for traditional financial services to do. Tell me your favorite use cases for a sub-account. So one of the things I really like is I have a fixed group of friends and we know each other for a long time now. It started back in university days. And despite the fact that we don't live near each other anymore, we still see each other multiple times a year. And we hang out together, we go to the movies, we have some drinks, we go away for a long weekend, you know, couple of guys together always a great time and uh, we have a shared account uh, together which I really like which is the connected account mm -hmm. I've, it's the combination of sub account and connected account so it's like a joint really account that's also a sub account yeah so I can create an account that many of my friends are in and we can use that to group fund things for a yes. kitty for instance yes. to, to kind of share things and I can create as many of those as I like well, it's kind of limited to 10 now, mm -hmm. but theoretically someday we could increase that number, yeah. So I could have one for uh, my local sporting team, I could have another one for uh, family outings, I could have another one for this group of friends. If you, if you have children, you can have one uh, per child, so as to teach him or her to deal with money. Does everybody who uses those sub-accounts need to be a bunk customer? It depends on how you kind of set it up. If they want to have access to that sub-account and see what's going on, then obviously they need to be a, a bank customer. If you just give them a debit card that they can use in a store, they don't have to be. Oh, that's interesting. So they don't have to be a fully KYC bank customer because you're the customer. Precisely. They're just somebody with access to their account. To the card, yeah. Interesting. That's a really interesting idea. Um, I, I definitely want to get closer to that one. When we stop recording, I'm going to ask you all kinds of compliancy questions. Yeah. What's the ultimate goal for you? Where do you see yourself? You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> Not gray, but it's too late for that, I guess. <laughs> I think for me, as the company grows, because we have been growing at a tremendous speed, I will be very satisfied if we can keep up with the growth and at the same time, keep our close connection with our end users. I would be super happy if we achieve that. I think that's a fantastic set of goals to have. All right, so last three questions. We hit everybody with these questions. They're standard questions in the quick fire round. First one, 
What rule do you live your life by? I think everybody lives only once. So make sure it counts. Define what's important and go do it. Get after it. I like that. How do you motivate a team? Um, I don't know. I always have these crazy ideas that attract a lot of people. So it's kind of implied in the in the idea itself, I guess. People motivate themselves yeah. from once they once they attach to an idea. Yeah. And what's the best career advice you've ever received? I don't think I've ever received career advice. Fantastic. I've had my first business since I was 16, so I don't know. You've done all right. <laughs> all right, so let me inverse the question. What's the best career advice you'd give? The same uh, answer as the first answer, which is you live only once. Make sure what you do matters. Here, Ali, the CEO of Bunk. Thank you very much for being on Fintech Insider. So